Every transaction should have a purpose, and we're empowering businesses and nonprofits to maximize their contributions. Purposely Podcast, amplifying the stories of people who are making a positive difference to society and the environment. People inspired by purpose. Here's your host, Mark Longbottom. A really warm welcome to Purposely with Duncan Morley-Bruce, founder and CEO of Give Credit, a for-purpose business generating funds for good causes. Duncan has had a fascinating career from fundraiser to music recording artist with a hit list in the Billboard charts, now a for-purpose founder. Enjoy. This episode of Purposely was brought to you by Benevity, the all-in-one software solution that benefits employees, customers, nonprofits, and society. Let's get back to the show. Duncan Morley Bruce, a really warm welcome to Purposely Podcast. Thank you, Mark. Very excited to be here with you on the show. Ridiculously early for you, late in the evening for me. So thank you for getting out of bed early and thank you for joining me. It's absolutely my pleasure, Mark. Very excited to be here today and thrilled to share the story of Give Credit and speak with your audience about uh, what we're doing over there to make a difference in the world. Sounds good. So you're the co-founder of Give Credit. I like to think of it as the philanthropic credit card. How does it work? What's your mission and purpose? So our mission is to revolutionize the way payments are made by providing philanthropic payment processing solutions. We believe every transaction should have a purpose, and we're empowering businesses and nonprofits to maximize their contributions. Our purpose is to amplify the world's charitable contributions and solve uh, social problems through our innovative no-cost donations, which are is the first of its kind where we are able to help nonprofits and businesses be in the philanthropic space and make a difference without affecting their bottom line. And so we're really excited to bring that to the market as well as our nonprofit fundraiser program where we provide nonprofits with an alternative way to raise funds to support their initiatives. Yeah, absolutely crucial to to driving mission. And just a bit more about Give credit and, and how it operates. So effectively, it's a it's a B2B play. Is that right? It's business to business play. Like that's the main focus. Absolutely. And if I'm a business, how would I go about registering? How would I go about using the platform? Like, give me the sort of nuts and bolts of Give Credit and how how it operates. Absolutely. Well, when we engage, we um, we take a look at their uh, current payment processing, and we make sure to always match or 95% of the time will reduce their current rate to make it officially no cost to them to, to get these donations. So we make sure to match or be, and then on top of it, we provide 25% of Give Credit's revenue earned through processing those payments right back to the nonprofit. That's in the case of the nonprofit's payments. So if we sign up a nonprofit, we give the no-cost donations right back to them. In the case of a business, if we sign up a business, the 25% no-cost donation goes to the nonprofit of their choice. And so that is an easy and seamless way to help businesses get involved and make a social impact. Yeah, I love the choice element of it. That's, that's great. In terms of your organization, Give Credit, is a for-purpose business, so it's not a, a charity itself. How do you clip the ticket? How do you guys ensure that you are sustainable and you make a profit so you can pay your staff and pay your investors? How do, how do you guys make your piece? 
The margins are tight, typically in the payment processing space, hence why I was unable to find others that are doing this similar model. But we're just really just happy to take a less of a profit to make a bigger difference. And in the long run, I think it's going to be a reason that sets us apart in the market. So even though we're going to be making smaller profits at first, I think it will enable us to capture more of the market because it's really a win-win for for businesses. Why not donate a portion of it than it otherwise being profits to their current payment processor? So they're really just lost contributions. And so um, that's where we, we think we're going to be able to, to make up for the, the smaller margins. And we really just love the purpose behind it. And that's what drives us. And the team is all excited about what we're seeing in the market in terms of the response to what we have to offer. And we know sometimes times are tough and people don't have the means to donate. So being able to provide a means that that is no truly no cost is very exciting to, to, uh, to get behind. Yeah, wonderful. And so established in 2020, tell us a bit about the sort of um, light bulb moment or the sort of inspiration behind Give Credit. Love to hear that moment that you thought, hey, this could be a business. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's really funny. After coming out of the music business and I was doing some fundraising for a while, um, one of my mentors had said he knew I was trying to do my own startup at this point. After I'd raised some money for some startups, I realized I really wanted to to dive in and, and create my own. It's something right on the corner of profit and purpose because I think it's so important. And I, when he first gave me the idea of maybe doing a payment processing company, I didn't know too much about too much about the space. But as I dug in, I found that it was pretty cutthroat and profit-driven. And I wasn't so excited about it. So I, I first sort of turned away from it. But then I sat with it. There was something about the model that I liked. So I sat with it for a while. And then I, then I had that aha moment where I was like, wow, what if we're able to donate the maximum amount we can without actually being a 501c3? And and give it back to nonprofits at no cost. And I was like, this seems very exciting, but there must be a ton of people doing it. So I started to to dig in and do my research and I was shocked that there wasn't. And I actually had couldn't even find one. I was shocked and excited at the same time because I realized, wow, there really might be something here. And this is something I could be passionate and get behind. And we could sort of rewrite the narrative of the payment processing space. And that's what really, really excited me. And also to rewrite the narrative where typically only the wealthy give back. We wanted to make it possible for people from all walks of life to be able to make make a change. And that's what uh, really got me excited about the mission. And then we started building out the whole company. And that's really where it all came to be. And was it your surprise at the, the sort of cost of moving money? Like that was a shock to you, the scale of the cost of it? Was that, and that was that pain point? Absolutely. And, and to see how much resources are just sitting there that we can tap into, I, I absolutely was. And, and one thing we did was we partnered with about 20 of the leading payment processors in the space. As being a new startup, I always try to put myself in the perspective of a business owner. And would I switch over my payments to a, a newly founded company? Um, I would maybe scratch my head before doing it. So in order to address that concern, we just partners with leaders in the space. Some have been around for 30 years, processing trillions in payments with the highest level of security. 
And I thought that was a great avenue so that we could really just stay focused on the charitable side of things and get out there and, and help these nonprofits and businesses to, to get involved. Yeah, because you don't want to um, create all that infrastructure and also trust is hard-earned, right? So to develop and do all of the, the processing yourself sounds really difficult. Is it, There's others out there that haven't been had the same theme. They haven't had the same model in terms of distribution of the of the fee, but they they are thematic. So they they give to maybe it's focused on like green causes or there's there's other people who have themed cards and use an existing processor to sort of white label it. Is that right? Yeah, basically that 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 is right. Correct. And using that as an as a starting point for you, because you come from being a fundraiser for a number of years. And we'll, we'll, I really want to dive back in, into your story later on, but tell us about how you got the, the funding for it. So how did, who, you know, early investors, because they sort of must've looked at you and thought has, you know, no qualifications or no experience when it comes to credit cards yep. or information implementation of this, this sort of business. But um, you, you had other you know, gifts, so um, around marketing and, and also around storytelling. And But just tell us about how you convinced the, the first investor to get aboard and you, you got those funds to get it started. Yes. So actually, uh, you'll be just surprised to know we really bootstrapped things for the first year with no funding whatsoever. And what made us u- uniquely positioned to be able to do that is because of the back-end infrastructure of our partners and not having to build that all out ourselves. And we were instantly able to get right into um, working with clients and, and onboarding uh, merchants and nonprofits. And so there actually wasn't a huge need in the beginning. Obviously, there was for the marketing side of things, but we were sort of learning and growing. And, and also the fact that we, we uh, launched amidst the pandemic, which definitely had its fair share of challenges so we were really just fine tuning our operations before we we uh, went out to look for funding, and um, I happen to have my mentor and co-founder who has has had some successful exits with his prior companies, and so we've always had the funding in house available. Yet for a majority of the time, we were able to to bootstrap this just based off on the concept, and people just truly loved it. And so there wasn't too many expenses when we had the support of our partners and not having to do all of the underwriting ourselves. And so that made it awesome. So it gave us the, the space and the runway to, to just uh, dig right in. And um, we're actually currently in our, our phase of, of raising our uh, next round of money to, to move it to the next level. And um, so we're uh, excited about that next phase, but we've been grateful to get to be where we are without having a massive investment to, to push us along. Yeah. And that co-founder was, is Robert? That's Robert. Absolutely. And Rob's been mine for years. Rob actually supported me in, on my pipe dream of my music career in the beginning and always, always believed in me. And so I've been beyond grateful for him. He has taught me endless insights that I, I uh, so grateful to have him. And in terms of how, how are you supporting yourself at this time? Like what was, what did you have some money to, to create a bit of a runway for yourself and for Robert to get this off, off the ground? Like you, there weren't, as you said, there weren't big expenses, but certainly paying for 
you know, rent, shopping, keeping your bills paid. We also have a, a third partner, Ariel, who also uh, created a very successful business. We all did throw in some ourselves, but nothing, nothing much. It was just enough to get by. And I was actually trying to not have Rob invest. We wanted to do it from proving to him that we could make a, uh, an impact without just needing investment right away. He had supported my music career in the past. So this was sort of my way of getting him back for all the times that he supported me in one of the toughest businesses known to man. And so, yeah, we were, we were able to get by and I, I luckily had enough uh, funding to, to keep a roof over my head and, and, uh, be able to, to move, move and shake and, and focus on the business. And what are the early challenges? So I guess around, you know, proving your trustworthiness, <laughs> um, uh, you know, convincing that, that, you know, partner company to, um, trust you to offer you guys the service. And then what were the sort of early, like getting that first customer, but what was, the, what were the barriers in your way? What's funny is right from the get go, the response that we got was, is beyond exciting. Everyone knew right away, felt like it was a win-win. Every once in a while, there would be someone you, who would be hesitant to change. Everyone's sometimes hesitant to change. And so there would just be a period where we just have to educate them on, on what exactly we're doing and, and build that trust in the beginning and let them know how we differentiate from the other payment processors in the space. And just that alone, the fact that we were the first ever philanthropic, no-cost donations, that definitely really helped a lot. People are like, wow, this is a no-brainer. You're telling me this would otherwise be profits to, to the current payment processor? And so we definitely got an incredible response. Of course, sometimes it's just changed. They may have recently switched over to something. So we are very soft sales. We don't, the only thing we're selling is change and we're not pushing anyone like the, the typical payment space. So we're really just walking them through. And, and when we lead with, with good, I feel like you get great reactions from, from our clients and nonprofits and, and the partnerships in terms of, of nonprofits, we've gotten an absolutely incredible response. Uh, one thing that we're, we're very excited about is our, the nonprofit fundraiser program, where we provide the nonprofits with the alternative way to raise funds for their initiatives by helping them reach out to their donor lists that own businesses and on their behalf, trying to get those businesses that have supported them before to further support them and giving them the alternative to switch over their payment processing and allocating 25% of our revenue to that nonprofit that we're calling on behalf of to help them with their fundraising efforts. And sometimes they, they do it as well, but sometimes there's a massive donor list. So we help tackle them and, and reach out on their behalf. And there's no payment process doing anything of that nature. And that's really what excites us and that we're able to truly support people in a way that's above and beyond the rest. Yeah, real value add, what you described there. And in terms of like, it's sort of like creating a marketplace, isn't it? So, and those early nonprofits, those early adopters, you had, you know, getting them over the line and utilizing their sort of brand to legitimize the offering. because. Once, you know, 
People want to make payments, businesses want to make payments, and they see those charities on the platform, they see the charities that they support, and they, like, was that difficult getting those charities to agree to join the platform and start receiving money, the very first couple? Or did you draw on kind of existing relationships you had with, uh, with nonprofits? Yeah, we would, as we kept growing, it became easier and easier. At first, um, there's always uh, a period of time where we have to educate and, and uh, get them to understand the true value. But really, from the get-go, we've had such a great response. And, and starting with cute little nonprofits that are truly on the ground making a difference and, and the going out to their community and the businesses love to support their own community. So we always try to, we also advise them on what charities we think might be a good fit, where, of course, if they have one that they're passionate about, then we absolutely will go that avenue. But we'll try to find one, say, say it's a restaurant, maybe we find a food bank in their town. And if it's a larger scale business, we say maybe a national or international charity. But if it's a small local business, we think it's great to give back right to their town and, and make an impact right there where they are. And so, no, we've been very excited about the response. And I can't say that we had too much pushback, which is really great. I think when you are leading with your heart and doing things for good in the world, that people see through it and see what you're doing, that it doesn't take as much to convince them to tap into this tool that we can provide and solution to make a difference. Yeah. And being a startup entrepreneur is um is incredibly challenging and um there are there are tough times and dark days what has been the biggest challenge is there one day particular issue or incident that's been really challenging i guess that probably the biggest challenging was was launching during the pandemic as that brought a fair share of challenges like to many other other businesses well we faced uncertainties and had to adapt rapidly but it was during these difficult times that our purpose and mission at gift came even more pronounced and recognizing the struggles that nonprofits must be facing during during the pandemic as well when they were they're already struggling with raising funds for years we it just drove us even further and it increased our mission to, to keep to pushing through and we we just saw that gap in the market and kept overcoming the challenges and kept trying to stay uh, inspired by what we were seeing happen and how we were able to make a difference. Yeah, great. And you're are you a fully dispersed team? Like you you don't have an office, you work all work virtually. How do, how do you guys operate and set up? And how many are of, of you guys? We do have a uh, small office in, in Naples, Florida, but ever since the pandemic, we've just all been working remotely. So um, people are at home on reaching out on LinkedIn to people. We have people going out from business to business. It also is, is great. It gives people the freedom. Some of our account managers are part-time, so it gives them the freedom to, to work around their own schedule. And, um, and it also gives us access to people all over the country where we have people in Colorado and we have people in, uh, we're actually in, in, uh, gone international recently. It's something we can talk about later. uh, We're very excited about, but we have people out in Greece uh, where we just uh, launched in that market. And um, so it really is, I think it's great. I think it's great. It gives people freedom and we can, we can have people from all around the world working together to make a difference. Yeah. Wow. And so do you think there's an advantage for a company when it starts 
uh, dispersed or, or virtual, then that's just the culture. That's the way you communicate. That's the way it is. And in some way, that's an advantage rather than those in-person businesses becoming dispersed businesses. Tell us a bit about like, how have you found it personally? Like, is it because you're, you're a very charismatic in-person kind of guy. So I do miss the fact of not having everyone together. I think that what could create some significant more company work environment that's uh, will thrive even more. But I think we can do the same on the videos and we're learning to adapt. And so we do team meetings quite often and to talk about successes and obstacles and things to overcome. And mainly we focus on success stories because that's always the most exciting. So definitely think there's pros and cons, but what's great is being able to, to get so many people on a Zoom at once so we can make sure those team meetings actually do happen often to, to keep us all on the same page and, and working towards the same mission. So I've, I've learned to adapt. I definitely uh, do think in the near future, we will actually go, go back to having a, uh, an office space and, and uh, when the time is right. Let's just deal with that, that sort of stretch overseas. Because I, I had you guys down as, as sort of United States only. But yeah, tell us a bit about that and how difficult or easy that was. So it, um, it was rather difficult at first to get the partnerships. We've been able to develop and expand into international markets throughout the EU and Latin America. And it's been very exciting. We are still 90% focused on the U.S. market. But we have, we started in Greece last month, actually. So we've just expanded. This is something very new, but I'm very excited to be able to, uh, to be able to offer this to all around the world. My mother's actually from London. And so I'm excited to start tapping into, to, uh, England as well and all these other markets to start really helping nonprofits all over the world. Wonderful. And changing tack and going back. Going back to your earlier years, and you grew up in California, is that right? Uh, Boston, actually, but I did actually ah. go to the LA recording school and lived out in in um, Venice Beach for for quite some time. But yes, I grew up in Boston. Music and performing were an early interest. Yep, my whole life, I always I always loved to sing as a kid. It was something I was always passionate about, and I was always a creative, and I love songwriting. I was writing songs when I was like 10 years old. And so that was something I was always passionate about. And I, I believe that you should always go after, go after your uh, dreams and really push to make them a reality. And I, so I actually was uh, at college, funny enough, Massachusetts Maritime Academy. And um, after my time there, which is completely separate than the, the music business, it's a military academy. Uh, I wasn't in the military, but it was sort of like a military structured academy. I don't know if you've heard of these maritime schools, but um, I, had, I had gone to there and I actually getting out of it, I had asked Rob, my co-founder, had supported my, my music career. I had, I had made a business plan. I sort of took a different approach to the music business. And I sort of stepped back and looked at it from outside the box, which is thing, things I try to tend to do. And I realized, what is it that these record labels are doing for these young artists? And, and really, it was provide funding and resources and relationships. And I had, I had developed a few relationships in the music business that were pretty exciting network to have. And so 
I went out there and, and tried to raise some money and Rob was not lucky enough to throw me a bone. And he said, I never knew anything about the music business or I knew it was a risky investment, but he, he said something that has always stuck me. He said, Duncan, I, I believed in your enthusiasm and I knew that someday, no matter what, you were going to do something that would, uh, would be great. And so I invested in you. Yeah. And I, that's always stuck with me, which is, means a lot to me. He's, Rob's become like a, another father to me. Yeah. And wow. Number six, Billboard charts. Find you now. I've watched the video with that you did with Rick Ross. Like you had some success, right? Like you went on and, and did some really good stuff. Tell us a bit about that ride. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I am I am definitely proud to say I had some notable accolades in the music career, including becoming a three-time Billboard charting artist, reaching top 10 on the Billboard charts was was one of my greatest accomplishments with with this with my song Find You Now, which was featuring uh, Rick Ross, which I was so grateful that he supported me on on my journey and I, without him it wouldn't have wouldn't have been quite as impactful, I'm sure. So I'm so grateful for his support. Also, I've worked with legendary DJ Paul Oakenfold, who put me on his album, which gave me some great exposure and other DJ, DJ Scribble and some other, some other artists that I was uh, fortunate enough to be able to collaborate with. And that really helped push me along. And, and, but for me, one of my, my greatest accomplishments was probably a smaller song I did before I was signed to the Universal Music Group subsidiary label was a record I wrote called Give Me a Sign, where I uh, aimed to raise awareness about homelessness and poverty. And I actually, funny enough, was allocating a portion of my records to this charity called WhyPoverty.net, or it was more of an educational documentary to, to raise awareness. Uh, now that I look back, it's funny that that has always been has been true to my heart is wanting to make a difference in the world. And although my heart was in music, there did come a time where I felt a calling to do more. And I, that's when I wanted to leverage my creative background and entrepreneurial mindset to make a impact beyond the realm of music. And that's when I, uh, start give credit. Well, after the fundraising phase, but yeah, that's when I, uh, had that, that moment. But yeah, those were my, the, the accolades that I was super proud of and, was able to perform at the largest uh, clubs in North America and things of that nature. And it was really fun, but really uh, true to my heart, I'm happy as camping in the woods up in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. I'm a pretty simple guy. And after a while, the, the ups and downs of the music business and performing after a while, I, I love the music and I still write and I still have passion in that. But I, I saw a different path forward to make a difference and get my make a change in another way. Yeah. And so you talked about that kind of for purpose music almost early on and having that desire to to help people or you had empathy for others. But and you're in this music industry and you've got a talent and you're trying to, you know, you're trying to break through what what were the really tough was it authenticity? Was it like trying to understand who you were and where you fitted in and what was challenging about it? Like, wh when did you get disillusioned? Yeah, it, it's it's a very tough cutthroat industry, even more cutthroat than the payment space was when I first jumped in. <laughs> it's, it's definitely, yeah, definitely very, uh, it, it wasn't an easy task, but I 
perseverance is what you need to have. And you need to have thick skin and just keep pushing through and not listen to all the naysayers. And people are saying, this is a pipe dream, go get a nine to five. And that actually fueled my fire. I, I always hated to hear that. I'm like, I would never, ever bring someone's, what's the word? Um, their dreams that they're pushing for. I would never say anything negative. You'd be surprised how often that would happen. But I just kept persevering and, and believing in myself and remembering why I started. And it, it was something I loved. So every day it wasn't even working. It was just fulfilling my dream. So yeah, I would say, I hope that answered the question. How brutal was it? Like when like that really personal criticism or um, people telling you to to stop and to give it up or, you know, in, the, in those difficult times, like how personally did you take it? And do you take criticism personally? Are you a sensitive soul? Yeah, I, I honestly really try not to. I, I believe when people are saying negative things to you, it's just a projection of something that's going on within themselves. And I recognize that at a young age, I, I was, I got into meditation around the same time, which I don't know where it came from because no one in my family really meditated or anything of that nature, but I really found a calling to that and that kept me centered and balanced and really never really affected me. Every once in a while, it would be frustrating, but I honestly just kept trucking forward and focusing on what I wanted to do. And in in the long run, it was those same naysayers that were my biggest supporters, of course. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I think before this interview when we talked and I touched on fi- finding now because I think just after I'd just been watching it on on YouTube and and I'd you know encourage anyone to go and have a look at it but you sort of you were almost at pains to point out that that wasn't that style of of video which is is is, is excellent but it wasn't necessarily a reflection truly of who you are and you talked a bit about meditation and and then other parts of of how you live your life like like you know, who is the real Duncan Bruce? Like it's, and how would you describe your sort of authentic music performer? Yeah, absolutely. And to touch on the video, yeah, the, the video wasn't quite the the uh, way that I wanted it to go, but we, there was, Rick had his brand that he had to uphold and and I couldn't expect him to walk through the woods with me in a, on a spiritual journey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> video yeah. That I would have wanted to have. But um, so, yeah, truly, I believe meditation is super important and um, it's really changed my life. I struggled with ADD when I was younger and it, it truly has helped me to, to center myself. And that's something that I'm uh, super grateful for. I, I don't even know when I got into it, but I had started reading these self-help books when I was pretty young. I think the first one was by Wayne Dyer. And I just really resonated with it. No one in my family was very religious or, or spiritual. And I, I was always drawn to religion and spirituality. I, you can't see it, but I have a tattoo of all the major religions on my, my hand. And I've always really wanted to find a common ground in the world. I believe it's one of the main reasons for conflict. And I think it's saddening because we're all trying to say the same thing for the most part. And um, so that's something that I've always truly been passionate about. All the lyrics of all my songs secretly are not what you think. Like Find You Now with Rick Ross is really about finding the now, finding the present moment. And if you listen carefully to the lyrics, 
I always like to write subliminally messages it, within my music with double meetings. And I always love to be creative in that, that dynamic. And, um, so it definitely rings true to who I am and, and what I love. I'm, I'm a simple person. Like I said, being out in the, the woods camping is where I, I thrive more than being at the W hotel in South beach. Yeah. Yeah. And like, who were, who were those early mentors? Like who, who did you draw on to form your beliefs and, and, um, and your thoughts around like, you know, purpose and meaning of life and like, you, you know, finding you now was, that's a great way of describing it being really present. But, um, yeah, who did you look to in those early years? You know what? It's, it's funny that even though my parents weren't into spirituality, they, my parents divorced when I was younger, but they both, I was always inspired by both of my parents. My dad always believed in doing what you love and staying true to yourself. And my mother as well has always been so supportive and she started her own business. She came over to the U.S. from London and built a successful um, interior design business on her own. And it's been inspiring watching the entrepreneurial journey of them both with their own businesses. And that was a huge inspiration for me. And, and spiritually, I, one of my friend, Jordan, is the one who sort of got me into spirituality. And, and he was the one who gave me that first book. And we sort of went on this path together. And now years later, Jordan's actually a pastor out in Texas, making some incredible change. And we talk all the time and, and he's still an inspiration to me and seeing his journey. And it's just incredible. So very grateful for to have a wonderful family and friends that have, have supported me on my missions in life. Wonderful. And decision to walk away or... I don't know if you've walked away permanently, but walk away from the music industry. Like, had it made you wealthy? Like, had, had, it, had, it, had it funded your life? Was part of the walking away to do with the fact that the economics of it were tough? Or Yeah, it was more, I, I, was doing, I was doing well. And yeah, there's definitely ups and downs in the music business. But it really was more of not being able to make the change I wanted to make. I was inspiring people and that was what I loved about it. But I really was seeing problems in the world and I and I wanted to actively make a difference more than just the inspiring of people. I wanted to go out there and start to fix the problems. And I was getting a little older. I, I, I was around probably about 32 when I sh switched out of music. And the ups and downs of, of the music business and the traveling all over, it's not it's not something you really can settle down with. And, and I'm married now. I have a wonderful wife and two fur children. Um, but, Brilliant. but yeah, so I think it was more so just lifestyle change. I was, I was looking to, to, uh, looking towards the future. Did you have to really like, did it have to become really difficult before you could step away? Like that, or was there one day we just knew like, I'm hanging up the mic. This is oh, it. Yeah, there like, was so many nightmares along the way. I had uh, that probably even more than starting your own startup. It was left and right. I'd, ha I'd have investors coming out that were all ready to invest. And then the show would fall through because some third party booking agent didn't clarify with the club. And then all these people who flew out to see me, it fell apart. I, I once, uh, 
was performing at the largest club in North America, and I had, I had brought on a, another artist to support him and, and help him on in his journey. And innocently, he put a sticker on the wall at the at the club, uh, and it lost me a booking deal at the time that was pretty substantial over a sticker. Yeah. So <laughs> that's the type of things and the emotions you deal with in the music business. Uh, there's a lot of egos in there and that also was a reason why i was starting to step back and obviously not as a whole there's wonderful artists and people making it changes and there's good and good and evil and everything yeah but i uh was just sort of at my my wit's end and, and was ready to 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 move on to the next chapter of my life but it was love that convinced you that actually you needed a little bit uh more of a normal life like it was it was meeting someone and wanting to settle down or did you, you just were burnt out uh, i was more um more just wanting to, a, a different change i get a little bit burnt out from the from the same old and and i had been in the business for like 15 years at that time and, and i loved it and i've never fully stepped out i still every once in a while i'll consult with artists to help them navigate the industry because it's such an unknown and um, so I'm still grateful to be able to do that. I still write music for fun. I actually write songs for other artists and help them and collaborate. But probably only about 5% of my time nowadays, if that. But um, I still still love it, still very passionate about it. But I, I'm happy I made the change. I am far more, even more passionate about what I'm doing now and how we're actually out there on the ground making change. And that's what it's all about for me. And so move into fundraising, how did that come about? It just happened naturally, sort of. It was sort of an uh, organic pro progression of what happened in my life because not realizing I had been raising money. Rob obviously helped me in the beginning, but we, we had brought on a handful of investors. And after, after a while, uh, someone once said to me, he goes, Duncan, it's not an easy task to raise money for your own music career, let alone anything in the music space. And I sort of realized, well, maybe I had a, a knack for fundraising and maybe my enthusiasm. And, and I find that I, I can only sell things I truly believe in. If I don't, I won't even want to be affiliated with it. And so I think when I saw these startups who were in need of funding, that really inspired me. And I was something I resonated with. And so, and I had, I had sort of learned how to fundraise from my time of raising money for probably the toughest thing to raise money for. And I had success, was able to raise millions of dollars for a few startups. And that was very inspiring. And I was like, very proud that I'd gotten to that point. But I then, while helping all these startups is when I realized I wanted to, to start my own. Yeah. And that was sort of the beginning of the evolution of Give Credit. What was the key to fundraising for a startup? I think uh, the key would be to to make sure you have your your business plan solid and have a strong team behind you and have an incredible mission and and a and a, a great product or or company that and clearly defines how it's going to create a gap in the market or or things of that nature and really I think it's so important that the the founders and and everybody are all um, enthusiastic about their brands. And really, I've had uh, the most, I help to enthuse the investors too. So when I, it's when I believe in something, those are the startups that I've had success with. 
So if it's something that when I, I read through the deck, I was like, wow, this is pretty incredible. I can see how this would be amazing in the market. I would try to help translate that enthusiasm to the investors for them. And I think founders that are visionaries and sort of can and see things in black and white, but also in color are the ones that are able to really uh, to, to get the funds they need. Yeah. And what, what sort of founder, because there's a lot of talk around, you know, found, you know, that startup space, people overworking, and it's unhealth, it could be unhealthy. You know, they get lost in the idea. They or they or worse, they actually probably you know try and do too many things at once and lack focus. Or tell us a bit about you know Duncan, the the startup founder. Like, how, how have you found it? Like, are you living, breathing, obsessional? What are you like as a founder? I literally work at least eighty hours a week. I have all, anyone on my team can, t- I always say they can text me at 3 a.m. if you want. I think, uh, worth ethic, my worth ethic is what has, has inspired the team. And, and I only say that because they told me that recently and that, that makes me feel great. It's, but I will work effortlessly. I love it so much. And to me, it's not work, but I, I'm up all night last night until 3 a.m. working on a presentation for a nonprofit. And, uh, every day I'm, uh, I'm doing all sorts of things and I still help with all different aspects of the company. Like last night I was doing a presentation uh, when I typically don't do those as much anymore because uh, I have so many other things to, to, to micromanage and things of that nature. But I am, uh, my team always jokes about me that uh, I work too much. They're like, Duncan, why are you still up at 3am? You should have answered me in the morning. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. but it's, it's, it's cause I love it and it's not, it's not work to me. It definitely gets tiresome at times, as you can see today, as I sometimes am not completely um, answering my questions as smoothly as I would if I had slept a nice full seven hours or something. <laughs> but you know what? It's what I, it's what I love to do. And I, I chose this path and, and the mission behind it is what keeps me going. And I'm sure relatively soon I'm going to be able to maybe get down to 60 hours a week and and spend even more time with my family. Yeah, crucially, decision to start a business is, is made by two people. If you're in a in a relationship, if you if you're married, so your your wife is um, fully supportive. I assume. Absolutely, and, and the company was founded uh, prior to us being married. But what makes it great is my wife also has her own little company. Actually, it's literally called Little Company or the Little Co. It's it's oh, cool. What absolutely. do they do? It's adorable. So my wife is from Turkey. And Turkish and Turkey is known for their incredible fabrics. And she created a uh, sort of a luxury small breed dog clothing brand. And uh, it's adorable. And she uh, and so she's brought it over to the States here. So she's also an entrepreneur and building her brand. And we, we give each other insights and we're, we're, we work together. So it's a great, a great environment. And we both have the space to to uh, follow our passions and build our companies while having each other to to support each other along the way. So you're you're standing next to each other. You're in the same office together, like in the home office. Sometimes, yeah. When I, when I'm yeah. at home, uh, absolutely. Uh, if I'm not over at the little office that I go into, we're literally sometimes right next to each other at the island on our laptops working side by side and it's great and it, it makes for a very positive work environment we feed off each other and it's it's pretty exciting wonderful and looking to the future 
forgive credit? Like what, 18 months, two years, what, what does the future install for forgive credit? Yeah, so we're, we're just expanding, expanding, expanding and getting the word out. And we've just been so grateful to have, to be able to support meaningful charities. That to us is our greatest accomplishments, helping foundations like Stand Up for Cancer work relentlessly to offer promising cancer treatments or feed the children whose mission are to, to help children's families and communities who struggle with hunger. Those chair doctors without borders who provide medical human, humanitarian assistance, constantly pushing towards making a change and helping to support these organizations, along with smaller grassroots charities that are really on the front lines making a change. That is uh, what drives us to keep pushing our mission forward. We just are building relationships and building on the ones we have and just getting our name out there. And we definitely are uh, working on raising the money to sort of get to the next level to get our brand awareness out there even further. We just wanted to have everything mastered before we fully hit the market hard. And that's where we, we are now. And that's something I'm super excited about and just just uh, enthused by everything and the response that we're getting. And so, yeah, I think the way forward, I would say, is just to continue revolutionizing the payment space and be the forefront of purpose-driven entrepreneurship. We really want to, our goal is to create a new standard for payments where what we have isn't proprietary, nor do we want it to be. I always thought it was interesting that Elon Musk's Tesla is open source. And I saw an interview once where he said that they asked him, what if someone comes around and makes a better product with your open source technology and puts you out of business? And I resonated with that. And I have the same thinking in regards to if other people start doing what we're doing, that is exactly what our goal is. Because there's no way we're going to capture the whole market. So if people start realizing they either have to change the standard because why will people choose other payment processors when it's the same caliber processing, but then there's 25% to give back? Why would other, why would you go with others if, if you had that option? And so we want others to jump on the bandwagon and start having to, to make that standard and make their payment processing also give back. So that's our ultimate goal. And we envision a future where every transaction holds the power to make a positive impact in the world. And of course, the, the growth and expansion, and we have new exciting partnerships in the pipeline, including a potential collaboration with the Purple Heart Foundation, which has been around since the 1950s. Uh, we're really excited about that one, uh, that we could help the veterans that are heroes that really need support as well. So many different ca causes. Furthermore, we're continually innovating and redefining our platform to provide businesses with even more opportunities to maximize their contributions. We're exploring other technologies, integrating with other popular payment systems, and just expanding our reach to connect with businesses and nonprofits around the globe. And our, our goal is to create a global network of purpose-driven businesses and organizations united in their commitment to uh, creating positive change. Fantastic. Duncan Morley Bruce, massive thank you for joining me on Purposely. Yes, it's my it's been absolutely my pleasure and thank you so much for having me. And and one thing I would leave for advice and guidance is my advice is to align with your passion and your purpose and to, to find a cause or a social problem that truly resonates with you. And 
use your skills and entrepreneurial spirit to make a meaningful impact and, and surround yourself with like-minded individuals who share your vision and values and, and build a strong support network. And that's what I'll leave you with. And Mark, I'm so grateful for you having me. And I love what you're doing here and inspiring people around the world. And that rings true to my heart. Wonderful. Thanks for joining me. Cheers. Thanks, Mark. Take care. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Purposely Podcast. Please subscribe and leave a review. I hope you like what you're hearing, because I sure do.